This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with non-toxic medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, diaper rashes, and other types of skin damage. I discovered Active Skin Repair and their baby spray from my community when our daughter was a newborn and had constant diaper rashes, and it really helped and continues to help. Containing hypochlorous acid, which is an effective option for helping with yeast diaper rashes, we just spray or dab active skin repair onto the skin with a clean cloth or cotton ball let's sit for 15 seconds and then apply our balm or ointment of choice with over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and to get 20% off your order using code PEDSDOC that's p-e-d-s-d-o-c that you have to have a lot of time. People feel like when they're really rushed or really busy or life is crazy that they don't have time for mindfulness. And really, those are the times that we need it the most. Those are the times that we need to be able to breathe. We need to be able to, whatever it is that we are moving through, be present with it. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I am so excited that I get to talk to the most amazing guests on the Pete's Doc Talk podcast to have conversations about parenthood, child health development, and so much more. Thank you so much for tuning in every week and for being here today with my guest. I am welcoming Helene Cussman, who is a mom yoga teacher, Reiki healer with a master's in education who helps both parents and kids to practice self-care through accessible, I love that, mindfulness. And we're talking about being a mindful mama when everything around you just seems like it's a dumpster fire. So how do we get that channel of that mindfulness that I think is so important when just things seem a little bit more chaotic. Thank you so much for joining us today, Helene. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. I love mindfulness. It's a huge part of my life and I love hearing from other people about why it's important to them. So first introduce yourself and how you got to do what you're doing now. Yeah, so it started off when I was teaching in the public school system. Uh, We live in Kentucky now, but when I lived in D.C., I started to just informally practice yoga and breath work with my kindergarten and first grade students. And I noticed how it would really reset them and set them up for a great day. So these are kids who were really high need and at risk and They'd come in with a lot going on and just one deep breath would soften them, would change, would make them really available for learning. And so that was before I was a parent myself. Fast forward later on now, I have two kids. I have a three and a half year old and an eight week old. And so I've been able to see firsthand the benefits of kids and then also with myself in my own mindfulness practice. So after I had my first son three and a half years ago, I suffered from postpartum anxiety and I kind of had a two-step approach to it. I did go on medication and I also said, I'm going to learn the tools that I need for myself to really deepen my mindfulness, deepen my yoga practice, did a yoga teacher training. I was previously just trained to work with kids with yoga and breath work, did my training for adults as well, but I could practice it in my own life. And then I wanted to be able to practice it even more with my son and now with my two kids, hopefully when Graham's a little older too. So it's just been really cool for me to see both how 
mindfulness and breath work is really powerful with kids and can be mm-hmm. powerful with ourselves as moms and kind of just that relationship of practicing with them and that connection has been really amazing. I love hearing your story and how you came to love mindfulness. I also have a very love relationship with mindfulness. I've been, I did research actually. I don't know if a lot of my listeners know this. I did my undergraduate research in mindfulness and the effect it has on medical conditions, including people living with HIV and AIDS, aging. We looked at the effects of mindfulness. So not only do I love mindfulness for myself, but I've seen the medical benefits it has um, in so many ways. And yeah, I continue to fall in and out of it. I think like you, there was a time where I was not really staying on top of my mindfulness practice. And I realized, hmm, this isn't really helpful to me. And then I tapped back into it. And now I'm kind of in a more flow state of like having this in my life on a regular basis, not just doing it when things are quote unquote SHITs hitting the fan, but really just realizing how important it is to incorporate this into our life on a regular basis. So from your experience, you know, from obviously what you've learned as from your professional experience and also the work that you do with other people, what would be some of the misconceptions you hear about mindfulness and how people approach mindfulness? That's a really good question and really important because I think that those misconceptions we have or those stories that we tell ourselves Mm -hmm. can be our biggest barrier to something amazing like mindfulness. So one misconception that I hear all the time from my yoga clients is that they're bad at it. They say, I love yoga, but I'm so bad at mindfulness. I'm so bad at meditation. I just, I feel like I can't shut my brain down. So that's a misconception because a lot of us have that problem where we feel like we're bad at it. And that's just part of the journey. So mm-hmm. kind of shifting that mindset to thinking of mindfulness, thinking of meditation as a journey or as an experience, you know, you can't be good or bad at it. It's not something that you can achieve or, you know, that you can be successful with, I would say, I think that those Mm -hmm. are all judgments that we create. But I think really, being able to incorporate mindfulness is it's really a journey and an experience and whatever that looks like for you is perfect. So that is one big misconception, I would say. Another one is that you have to have a lot of time. People feel like when they're really rushed or really busy or life is crazy that they don't have time for mindfulness. And really, those are the times that we need it the most. Those are the times that we need to be able to breathe. We need to be able to, whatever it is that we are moving through, be present with it. So both of those things are barriers that I think a lot of us have going on. And sometimes they can just be really easy excuses too, but we can all make mindfulness work if we just know how to do that realistically. 100% agree with that. Yeah. So another one is that you have to have a lot of time too. So I just talked about busy phases of your life, but also even just pockets of your time in your day. So I think some people imagine that mindfulness experience is going to be that they have to have a whole hour of their life that they're going to dedicate to maybe this meditation or this whole gardening experience where they're really mindful or just something really elaborate when it can just take a few seconds, even just a few deep breaths. And so you don't have to have a lot of time for a mindfulness practice. Well, it's so funny you say that because I feel like a lot of not everyone, but there's a lot of pro mindfulness people on social media and, you know, books and stuff like that who 
do not have children and, you know, maybe they're single or maybe they're in a relationship, doesn't matter, but they don't have children. And they're like, you know, I wake up at 6 a.m. and I get a workout in and then I meditate for two hours. And then I know a lot of mothers listening, a lot of parents are going to be like, I don't even have a minute to pee on my own. How am I going to meditate mm-hmm. and do that? So I know that that is a misconception too. And I hear it a lot of, right? Like people think that mindfulness, like you said, is this big time suck of like, okay, this is going to be so time intensive that the meditation piece kind of goes in line for what you all said already. Like people feel like they can't do it, that they're not good at it. Like there's some sort of grade that comes with mindfulness when there's not, it's really about the practice, like you said, or that they don't have time. And with even meditation, if we're going to include that into mindfulness practice, it's, it doesn't have to be two hours. It's really understanding that this is as much as you can do, but there's also different other ways that I know you're going to go over on how we can kind of build this into our life as well. Right. Exactly. So that's the biggest piece. When you can create routines, when you can build mindfulness into what you're already doing, that's when it's going to feel the most authentic to you and you'll Mm -hmm. have the highest motivation to be able to keep it up. So I know exactly what you're talking about. I've had to actually unfollow some accounts, I feel like, since becoming a mom because they would just make me feel like, oh, it's all or nothing. If I can't do that, then I don't have a good self-care practice and just kind of seek out ways or examples that I can incorporate it in a way that's realistic for busy mom life. But one thing I would say is routines can really Mm -hmm. help. So if you have one part of your day every day that you know you want to be mindful around, and I want to give an example of how to do this with kids, because I know I'm going to talk about that some too, but just an example could be maybe you have a routine with your child where every day after school, after you talk about their day and have a snack or something, you have a mindful journaling practice where they just have a piece of paper. And even if they're drawing something and you're keeping your own journal and you guys are talking about what you're doing, that could be a cool routine to set up with kind of a family focus. In terms of a self-care perspective, maybe you could have a routine where, you know, if you have five minutes after you brush your teeth every morning before the kids wake up and you do during that a two minute meditation to take up part of that five minutes, then that could be an example of how to bring in mindfulness. I'll give one more um, just example of a routine is maybe as you're preparing dinner and the kids are watching TV and you just Mm -hmm. find yourself, sometimes I find myself in the kitchen while my son's on the couch watching TV and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's quiet in here for a minute. Like, how can I make the most of this? But I'm also cooking dinner and have a million things to do. I'm like, okay, let me just take this moment and breathe. Notice what I'm doing. Notice what my hands feel like when I'm preparing dinner. Notice what the you know shapes are of the food or the smells and just incorporate mindfulness into something you're already doing when you do feel like you have that quiet moment, even if it's super busy. I love that. And again, you're like you said, you're bringing it all into your daily routine and just bringing the principles. As a pediatrician, mom, and podcaster, I want to share with you a podcast I recently discovered. It's called Understood Explains, and this season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. I listened to an episode called The Difference Between IEPs 
and 504 plans, and I learned so much that I honestly didn't know before. I now feel I can better explain these to my patients and their families and better support them in their neurodiversity journey. Navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences can be confusing, and this podcast helps to validate these struggles and provide actionable tips that are useful for parents, teachers, and clinicians. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep No Mess meals. Chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from each week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust. I absolutely love the spicy jalapeno, lime cheddar chicken, and mushroom chicken thighs with wild rice keep kitchen time to a minimum with factor meals because they're ready in two minutes no shopping prepping cooking or cleanup i work from home and love the convenience and how delicious factor meals are head to factormeals.com slash pedsdoctalk50 and use code pedsdoctalk50 to get 50 percent off your first box plus 20 percent off your next box that's code pedsdoctalk50 at factormeals.com slash pedsdoctalk50 to get 50 percent off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. You made it halfway through an episode, so you must be loving the show. If you love the show, make sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel where I share answers to all of the common topics submitted to me regarding child health, development, and debunking all that misinformation you hear online. My goal is for PDT to be a one-stop shop for your searching needs. Bye-bye late night Googling. So make sure to go to YouTube and search Peds Doc Talk TV. Hit that subscribe button and binge watch all the amazing episodes and episodes to come. Have suggestions for future videos? Make sure to chat in the community section on my YouTube channel. You know, we're going back to meditation. Do you also meditate as part of your mindfulness practice? You're talking about things that are obviously really, I think, easy to do in a routine. But do you have moments where you actually set aside mindfulness um, meditation moments? Yeah. So for me, I would say when I go through phases where depending on the phase of life, there's different times that meditation feels like it fits in the best. So I actually have an eight week old and before he was born, I was doing like hypnobirthing meditation. So I was kind of taking a chunk of time, even once a week to do a longer meditation with the hypnobirthing meditations. But Mm -hmm. then I've had other phases of my life where more so every day I'll do just like a two minute meditation and never do longer meditations. And then right now, as I'm trying to get back into just a very gentle yoga practice postpartum, I'm finding that since I've already carved out that time for self-care, I'm just tacking it on with my yoga practice. So at the end, when I'm in Shavasana, just doing a few minutes of a meditation, just kind of watching my breath, something simple like that, noticing how I felt moving my body. Yeah. So those are just examples of how I think some people think you have to have a very rigid routine with meditation and, you know, okay, I'm going to use this app for five minutes every day every month. And if I mess up, then there goes my meditation practice, but you can adapt it to whatever phase of life you're in and just kind of whatever works based on what you have going on. I love that. And you said that you also, you know, at the time we're recording this, you have a eight week old. So these are also the things that you've kind of incorporated, obviously taking care of that very busy time of naps and feedings to be more mindful, even with an older child and a newborn. 
Exactly. And it looks really different now. So I think one thing I've realized is just giving yourself grace, having that self-forgiveness for whatever you thought your self-care practices would look like. If they don't look like it that day, if you were going to get in that yoga practice or that meditation or whatever it was, um, cooking that new recipe while you thought the kids were going to be busy or something like that, and you don't end up having time for it, just being gentle with yourself. Cause I think that the frustration we get to when life's really busy and we don't get to those things can sometimes counteract any of the benefits. So wherever I can fit it in right now, and even if it's not every day, if it's every couple days, that helps me to feel really good about it to just kind of give myself permission to make it look like whatever it's going to look like right now amidst the chaos. I love that. And you also obviously, how old is your older child again? So he is three and a half. Three and a half. And then you have an eight week old. Okay. So you said you started to already incorporate mindfulness moments with your three and a half year old. How old was he when you started to do that? And what are some examples of how you kind of incorporate this with your child? Yeah. So he was a pretty young baby when we started with this. So I Mm -hmm. was taking him to a baby yoga class. And then I also was kind of doing some of it on my own at home too with him where it's just incorporated in play, you know, and when we do like tummy time, I'd have him on my back and just kind of be, I'd be moving, I'd be picking him up and breathing, taking deep breaths and kind of just having fun together and almost modeling some breathing and mindful movement, having my phone put away. I think that's the biggest thing too, Mm -hmm. is like, Anything that we're doing mindful when we're, we have the intention of being mindful with our kids, no matter how young they are, because these babies even pick up on it, just having your phone away, being totally focused on whatever it is. And then as he got older, incorporating breath. So if we find a dandelion, like I have a video of him, even when he was maybe six months old and I found like a dandelion that I would blow and then he would laugh and then he would kind of imitate and blow as he got older, like to be an older toddler, then he would blow the dandelions and practice taking a deep breath or blowing through a straw to kind of practice that breathing and just setting aside those times in nature, especially I think nature makes it really conducive to my mindfulness where we go on a walk, we have trails by our house, just making a point to say, I think modeling, okay, you know, I have my phone put away, or we're turning off the TV, we're going to do this together, this puzzle or this walk, and we're just going to focus on this together. We're going to take deep breaths, we're going to notice, you know, what do you see over there? What does the tree look like? All those things we already do with kids, a lot of times, they're actually mindful practices when that's the only thing that we're focusing on at the time. So I just gave, I guess, a lot of different kind of examples of how to do that. But I think the biggest thing I would say is it doesn't have to look one certain way. It's just that you are focusing with your child and having that intention that you two are being mindful together and pointing it out to them too, so that you can model that. And like you said, it's bringing it back to just things that are in your daily life and routine. Like you were on that walk, you saw a dandelion, like it's not taking up so much of our energy or our time. It's just remembering and being mindful to do it. And it can really impact the child's life as well as your life too. Exactly. And I think that that's the biggest thing too, is find what your kids already like. So maybe it's mindful soccer. If you know your kid really likes soccer and you guys are going outside and you're just putting 
everything else away. You're ignoring everything else going on in life. And you're just focusing on that soccer experience together or mindful cooking. We cook frozen pizza sometimes and make it a mm-hmm. mindful experience um, by just talking about, ooh, let's look at the textures. Let's let's smell it. Let's do this. Let's focus on this. So I think it can be anything that you're already doing with your kids. It's just setting that intention that it's going to be a mindful experience. I love that. And I love that, again, you're bringing stuff that is very seemingly mundane, but really important in our lives. And they're part of our life, like making food. It can be a very mindful experience by talking about what's there. And you bring up, you know, already you talked about this, but the removal of cell phones. You know, I think when we look at our generation ever since the iPhone was created in the early 2000s or mid 2000s, in terms of how it takes us away from the moment, which is against what mindfulness is and how important that is in parenting. You know, I know we are so busy, but it's when you're having that time with your child, the cell phone can be put away. Of course, I know we like to take videos and photos, and I think that's great if that's what you're using it for. But while you're with your child trying to limit as much as can, you know, making it a very mindful experience of I'm going to put this away and we don't need this right now. If you have a job, you know, I'm very busy with a clinical job and my platform here that I'm going to put this away between five and seven. You know, I have a toddler now and it's really important that he sees that I'm not just on my phone all the time. You know, that there is going to be times where I will be on the phone for certain reasons but that there is protected family time of us just being together and talking about the food that we're eating or making. And I do believe that can really help our children too. I love that you have that specific boundary too of, I'm going to put my phone away from five to seven, because I think that it's so hard to just do that without an intention or without Mm -hmm. setting a goal sometimes, because we do have those times that we do need to look at our phone, whether it's work or saying communication with family or whatever it is, or, you know, I'll tell my son sometimes I'm ordering groceries right now, or I'm checking my email. Um, I'm answering really important emails sometimes. So he knows I'm not just mindlessly scrolling and I'm actually doing something that he's starting to, I mean, he's three and a half, but he is starting to somewhat understand those things a little bit more and why they might be important to why I'm on my phone and I'm not just ignoring him. But then there's times when I'll set a boundary with myself and say, okay, all that stuff can wait because right now I am going to put my phone away. Even if it's just that one set time of the day, because there's so much we're using technology for, like you said, even taking pictures. I find myself like constantly taking pictures of my newborn. And I'm like, oh no, I hate that he's staring at the back of my phone. And I'm like, nah. it's okay. It's okay. You're taking yeah. pictures. Like, you know, don't be hard on yourself if your phone is out for things you need it. But I think having that specific times that you tell yourself you're going to put it away can really help. Oh yeah. Like rules like that. And of course, like I understand that sometimes you're going to break the rules or sometimes you're gonna be like, ah, I'm going to scroll and my kid is sitting right there and watching TV. Like there's no shame in that. There's no problem with that. It's just being overall big picture of like, okay, how am I going to approach this sort of being present piece, right? Being present with myself, my feelings, but also with my child and it's these little things that really do add up for the benefit. And, you know, through your experience, how do you see mindfulness improving relationships, whether it's with yourself or your child or a partner, how have you seen this really change your life in the positive way? I think that the relationship with yourself can really be important because we all need that time every day to tune in to how we're really feeling, right? Because there's the surface level of how we're feeling. And then there's 
always how we're really feeling. And sometimes there's things that we might notice about ourselves. You know, let's say you do have time for a quick workout, but you're also trying to, you know, you're on your Peloton or you're doing your yoga and you have your phone on your mat and you're also like answering emails while you do it and doing a million things at once. Is that really self-care or is that exercise, you know, or if you're going on a walk, but you're also trying to make a to-do list in your head of everything you have to do for the rest of the day. Mm -hmm. It's hard to call that self-care and really have that time to be in touch with yourself. So I think just making sure that you do create that time, maybe even once a day where you're able to check in with yourself can help you just be more in touch with how you're feeling and what your needs are. And that in turn can help our relationships, you know, with a partner, with our kids and kind of realize, hey, I need to talk to my partner about this. This is kind of bothering me. This happened today. I didn't really realize it until I really had this time to process my feelings or, hey, you know, now that I'm taking this time to just be in touch with myself, I'm noticing that my kids seemed really like something was bothering him this morning or just having that time where there's not a million things going on. I think that the relationship with your kids, I know a lot of people call it different things where you take about 10 minutes a day to spend with your child uninterrupted. And that I think is a really beautiful mindfulness practice, you know, whether you're doing Legos together for 10 minutes and just really both focused on that one task at hand or whatever it is that you're doing that time has so many amazing benefits of then when the rest of the day is crazy, they Mm -hmm. just know that you're invested in them by taking that time. And that in and of itself can be a mindfulness practice. So I think there's lots of ways that it can both help our relationship with ourselves and then in turn with the other people around us. Oh, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I wanted to thank you so much about normalizing mindfulness in an easy way of how it can be built into our everyday life. You know, I think that's such an important thing. Like I said at the beginning, sometimes we hear like, oh, yeah, I wake up and, you know, do the two hour meditation. And if you have time to do that's amazing. I'm not saying that's wrong. But I know that we're so busy. And you as your example of, you know, obviously, being a yoga teacher, but also having two children under the age of four, and giving some tips there, I think is really helpful and resonates so much with me. So thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm glad to do it and just be able to give people some ideas for hopefully how to make it more realistic. And where can people find you for resources or anything like that um, to stay connected? So you can find me at my website, which is helenecussman.com, H-E-L-E-N-E-K-U-S-M-A-N.com or on Instagram at Helene Cussman. I also have a download on my website, helenecussman.com slash your self-love. And there is a guide to creating space for self-love and some of these routines that we talked about today. Awesome. I will be including that on my show notes um, so everyone can access that and stay connected and utilize those resources and stay connected. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I love this conversation. And if you loved it too, for everyone listening, make sure you leave a review. Thank Helene for joining us on the show. Um, Would love to have her back on to talk about more of what she does and obviously mindfulness as well. And I cannot wait to talk to another guest next week. Thank you for tuning in for this week's episode. As always, please leave a review, share this episode with a friend, share it on your social media. Make sure to follow me at PedsDocTalk on Instagram and subscribe to my YouTube channel, PedsDocTalkTV. We'll talk to you soon.
feel like you're the martyr in your family, you're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Guilt Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows.